From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Monday, December 2nd, the year 2019. Can you believe we're in 2019, Alex was on? Sorry, still, in... We're just, uh, just holding on right now, last month. Yes, and as I, I meant December, obviously, not not uh, 2019, but it, it is crazy how much this year has flown by. This is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling, senior golf analyst for Teeing It Up, senior golf betting analyst for Teeing It Up. Alex Azan's with us uh, to talk about these next couple weeks in the game of golf. And, of course, uh, you're talking about the PNC Father-Son sh- uh, Challenge next week, right? Absolutely. Um, I, I would hope that what the BJ and Cass thing are probably trying to take home the title or something like that. That, that was the only, that's the only pairing I remember from that tournament. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I have, they are powerful, especially since VJ is still very powerful and I don't know what the pairings <laughs> are for this week. So, uh, for, for that event, sorry. So there you go on that. We'll see how this shakes out. Um, as that event is looking to bring in players and their dads and try to get in some current PGA tour players. Um, yeah, wouldn't they love that? Of course. Yes. As this next crop kind of ages out. So we'll see how this all shakes out. Alex is here because we have the Hero World Challenge this week and the President's Cup next week. Uh, but before all of that, he's calling from Austin, but he's born and bred a New Englander. Um, Tom Brady's not been happy with the offense all year. He was not happy last night. This Pats team yeah. has looked out of sync. They've looked weird. There's all these rumors about this being the end of the run. As you look at the Pats right now, they've rolled so far, but they've come under two teams, Baltimore and Houston, who could be threats. Oh, sorry. Come January. Hello? I think that was my mom. Are you still there, Alex? I'm here. I'm ready okay. to roll. It's a cameo by my mom. That's all. That's all that is. Um, she had it. She had to take about the pictures, but she decided to hold back and, and uh, set the floor aside for me. <laughs> Very, very kind of her. All right, so here we are, and Houston, Baltimore, Pats could see them later on. Um, and, you know, here we sit now with a Pats team that, that has had defense lead them to the promised land this year, not offense. What's your take on this Pats team at the moment? Yeah, I mean, it's that, it's that spectrum. We go around the circle every year with the Patriots where, you know, the beginning of the season, they look great. And then we're at that interesting point in the middle of the year where they drop a couple of questionable games and everyone wants to have the sky falling immediately and everything come to an end. You and I have been around long enough to know that uh, just because there's some pickups on the road in the Patriots regular season doesn't mean they're not going to be ready for January. But I, I'll give you this, Jeremy. A lot of cause for concern on the offensive end of the ball. I have no qualms at all about the defense and how they could perform in the postseason, but if, if there's a situation where they're playing against the Ravens or the Chiefs and, and they have to get up to the 30s, maybe even, who knows, on the road, potentially in Baltimore, uh, the way things could shake out, that could be a huge issue for this team. Tom Brady is, you know, big-time grumpy pants right now. He he misses all of his favorite toys, he, and he looks very helpless. So it, it is that interesting spot in the spectrum, Jeremy, where everyone is looking to just throw them away and uh, and call it the end of the run, but... You and I know that we we got to wait probably another 30 or 45 days uh, to see when the real games get going to see if that's the truth or not. A lot of people wrote Tiger Woods off, and we saw what happened this year. Um, we haven't had yeah. you on since the Zozo and since and since win number 82. 
my thought on the Zozo was this. It was impressive to me that for as awful as he looked in the skins game and for as awful as those first five, six holes was, he was able to get a game together. And yes, he's having trouble moving it right to left. And I'll be curious to see if this week, assuming Golf Channel and NBC have top tracer, if uh, he's able to move the ball right to left with more regularity than what he was able to do at Zozo. But he came up with a plan that worked and he out consistencyed everybody else. And that's not a word, but that's how Tiger Woods wins golf tournaments. He does everything better than everybody else all at the same time, even if some players are better at a certain thing at the same time. And he, and he made a whole bunch of left to right putts. But for me, against a quality field, to get that win, to come back on a Monday, be loose, be able to do it um, so quickly after surgery, after looking so horrible in the Skins game, I just thought that it was a really positive sign for not only the rest of 2019, but just going forward that if Tiger's body is healthy enough, he can still do things. The question is how long and how prolonged are these healthy stretches? Yeah, this was a, an interesting year. It got bookends, you know, forget what whatever happens in the next couple weeks to Tiger and his game. Obviously, the with the start of the season coming out and starting well and obviously getting the green jacket in April, and then bookending that with this victory to Zozo was, was very impressive, and it, it's not something I thought I was going to see, a Tiger playing the full season. Not necessarily the full schedule, but just being available to play tournaments consistently throughout the calendar year. And it, it does speak to the gravity of the comeback. It's, it, he's, he's definitely here to stay. The question is, is he going to be able to play full seasons and full calendar years over and over again as he dwindles through his 40s decades? Um, I, I would like to see it happen for a couple more years. I think things will take an interesting turn, maybe once he hits that 45, 46 mark, which we're getting, we're, 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 we're right at now. So we're about a year or two away. And, uh, Obviously, time's taking on his his reign in terms of being able to play full sessions and full seasons on the PGA Tour, but bookended things really nicely. And, and like you mentioned, the consistency was really on display for both those wins this year. Uh, talking to Alex Zazan, our senior golf analyst, who is also the host of the Course of Life podcast with the recent birthday, Michael Russell. Happy birthday, Michael. Um, Indeed, yes. Uh, so uh, checking on that. Uh, Al, uh, Alex is the most aggressive booker who works the most hours in his day job of anyone I know. <laughs> he works like, hard. I, and, yeah, I'm, I'm working. I work two sales jobs, Jeremy. My day job and then my night my night gig, trying to get people to talk to me for, their, for our episodes we did. So I appreciate that. And I, I, I like that you appreciate the hustle, too. Yes, I appreciate the hustle and I appreciate the fact that you... Work is so hard to have an eclectic range of guests, ranging from Kelly James all the way up to, you know, local PGA pros. Um, so hopefully Tiger Woods, if 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 you're out there and if you and Steiny and Glenn are reading this, Alex and I would would love to do a teeing and a course of life podcast crossover. Yeah, I think I can make time on schedule. Yeah. I yes, so. and I think Michael Dell will be okay if if with you if that happens. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, just talking about 2019 in the whole, you got me thinking about uh, what it was back at the beginning for me, Jeremy. And you remember just kind of the excitement that I had when I saw him at the match play here in Austin two yep. weeks before the Masters. And 
that was a that was a, a definite foreshadowing of things to come this season. So I'm I'm already excited as we're as we're starting to turn the calendar. I'm going to start thinking about that that tournament coming back to to my city and. In March, and you know, with any luck, the, the way 2019 went for Tiger, I think he's going to keep Austin Country Club in his rotation for for years to come. So hopefully, it's a good springboard uh, next season for him as well. The 20, the uh, World Golf Championships, Dell Technologies match play. Let's make sure we get the right name out there, or else the PGA suits will be uh, PGA Tour suits will be after us. Um, well, they'll be knocking on our door tonight. Yes, exactly. Um, let me abort the question I was going to ask and ask this one instead because I think it's a better one. In that yep. bonus Butler Cabin interview, Sir Nick asked Tiger, was it the Rory match on that Saturday morning, the quarterfinal match, was that your test, Tiger, of Sunday at, you know, Sunday down the stretch, back nine in a major? And Tiger yeah. brushed off the question and basically said, look, every match play round, every match play, you know, um, match you have, in that format is Sunday major championship serious golf from the get-go. And Tiger's larger point was that he was happy with the way his game was trending in Austin towards Augusta, but it wasn't one match or one particular moment that stood out. I'm with Nick. I thought that the way he beat Rory, the way Rory was playing at that time, he was able to show himself that he can do it, he can work the ball both ways, and he can take on a, a hilly golf course, and you know it because you work at Austin Country Club, is probably the closest thing to Augusta just in terms of the amount of, of uh, terrain change that they'll come across yeah. in that stretch. What's your take on, was it getting up for Rory, or was it the way his game was trending? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, it was getting up for Rory on that Saturday morning. It's traditionally probably the toughest match to win of the week because you just got through the three days of match play to make it to the bracket form in the final 16 and honestly you know I don't think a lot of us would have thought twice if Rory had just come out sharper that morning you know beat him four and three and you know it's still that you still chalk that up as a successful weekend in which Tiger got out of his bracket and made it to the weekend of match play but it was far from that and that was my golf moment you know for a recap of the year that was my golf moment of 2019 was watching that match on that Saturday morning and the way Tiger was rolling in putts in the back nine, it showed you that, you know, he, he wasn't just here to to show and, and just have a good finish. He was definitely, he had wins, plural, in his eyes early in the season, and it did come to fruition. So there, there was a lot of that, that hype factor to, to getting up and playing an opponent like Rory. And like I said, well, what a springboard to, to what ended up being a pretty historic season for the guy. Absolutely. Um, all right, so here we go. You have the odds in front of you for the hero match play. The favorite is, and, and, and I don't know these, uh, name me the top five favorites and uh, w- what the odds are for those people. Defending champ, John Rahm, guy who's red hot, raced to Dubai winner, just just lifted a trophy a week or so ago. He's the favorite at about five to one. Again, it's such a, such a small field with 18 guys uh, that everyone's got some pretty respectable odds in this tournament. Uh, your second favorite would be Justin Thomas, around seven to one, and, and Tiger and Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley, They all fit right around the same number, around nine to one, to win the tournament this weekend. And, that, and that's your top five right there: Rom, JT, Cantlay, Tiger, and Shoffley. Interesting little group there. Yes. Now, here's my theory behind this. I I, I tweeted a couple weeks ago that when Tiger picked himself as a playing captain, he. 
said that Hero is, a, is, is an easy week. I have some obligations at night, but it's an easy week compared to the President's Cup where he's got all his captain duty and then his playing duties. Right. And my thought was at the time he'd be in preservation mode, not in grind mode. And we saw last year the difference between Hero 2017 when Tiger had grinded coming in and was really sharp and Hero 2018 when he didn't give two shits and was next to last in the field, I think, or, or, mm-hmm. like, or like 16th or something. So yeah, you have good. on that list a guy in John Rahm who, as you said, is super hot. And then you have all these President's Cup guys um, right behind him. And what I had said coming in is you look at Rose, who has a property there. It's his home course. Stenson, who I believe also has a property there. Um, and Ricky Fowler, who has to grind because he's trying to get back in golf shape really fast. I looked at those yeah, three sure. guys as my favorites, irregardless of current form, just because those three guys need to put the pressure on and everybody else would be in some middle ground between grind mode and preservation mode. The odds makers in Vegas think that it's Rom who's been hot, but, but also could be running out of gas and all these president's cup guys. I find that really interesting. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't hate that angle either. Jeremy, the idea that this is a, this is a quote unquote silly season event. I know, I know our comrades at the tour would hate to hear those terms, but it is exactly what it is. It's in December. It's an exhibition. It's a small field. They're all getting money to go there no matter what. Uh, so yeah, you kind of, you wonder who is looking to study up and, and learn and gather the most about their game this week. And I don't. I hate those picks. I have. I've been very bullish on just Ricky Fowler in general. Him being a pick, uh, you know. Well, obviously, the last few months of his life have been much more important with the marriage and everything like that. And those things have sidelined him from the game. But I'll be very curious to see what sort of form he has Thursday morning and what he walks away with uh, by the end of the weekend. Uh, so that's an interesting line of thought. Uh, I like the Stenson angle. He's thirty to one, so not a, not a bad opportunity to put a dollar two on a guy who knows the property well. And, and you mentioned Justin Rose, a, a guy that seems to always play decently uh, at this tournament as well, too. So I don't hate the line of thinking. And yeah, Rom, the, the clear and away favorite because of his recent play, not not because of how much uh, gas he may or may not have in the tank for sure. Now let me give you the flip side of this angle. Because this is what's so fascinating about these odds. Read me again, two through five. Just, uh, 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 sorry, just the uh, player names. Yeah, so it's Tom, Cantlay, Woods, and Shockley, all in the same boat. Okay. If you go to the official World Golf Rankings, those players are all grouped near each other when it comes to um, the Olympic... Sorry, all that they are all grouped near each other on the World Golf Rankings, and the Olympic picks—the four players from the U.S. who will be going to Tokyo—come out June twenty-second. Why do I bring this up? Eighteen players, world ranking points at stake. This is a huge week for the World Golf Rankings, and if this Brooks Kepka problem is chronic, you are looking at a potential for who's ever next down on those rankings to take over and take that slot in Tokyo because it would then bump one down. 
And Tiger's currently one spot out of being in the Olympic qualifying spot. So, easy points available, small field. I have no idea what if, if, if this is on anybody's mind. But if it is, you can really either cement your place in Tokyo or get closer to going to Tokyo if you play well this week. Yeah, it's crazy to think. I, 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 I don't know the exact of how it gets calculated, but funny to think how much is at stake at a small, such a small field tournament like this. But when you get all these guys together in a somewhat sanctioned event, it, it creates those moments and opportunities. And yeah, I do not have the Olympics on, on my, on my radar at all, but I'm sure some of these guys do. And there's definitely, I know there's a couple guys on that list that would like to write the wrongs of not being there in Rio for sure. You got that right. Um, okay. Um, all right, so we're talking to Alex Lazan, teeing it up. This, that's my show, Course of Life. That's his show. The President's Cup is next week. On paper, this should be a romp. You and I have both played competitive golf. Match play does not go as scripted. On yeah. my, uh, Here's how I look at this. Bryson DeChambeau went through a body metamorphosis in the offseason. He, oh, he, for me, is the biggest question mark. Because he's going to be playing in some very important matches. He may play up there with JT some of the most. So my question becomes, when you look at who this, who as this team kind of lays itself out, Cantlay's in a new spot. We'll see how he reacts. Everybody else kind of has been there. Woodland, Tiger, um, you know, obviously Finau, they, they've, they've all been on teams in the past. Um, you know, Patrick Reed has not had form of late, but but he seems to rise up in match play. But you and I have both seen over the years guys who change their bodies have very different reactions when they come back. Curious to see Bryson's form this week, and really curious to see if he can trust himself next week. Yeah, that is interesting. And the way that the schedule has been arranged the last few years in golf, this tournament has really gotten shoved at an interesting point in the calendar. It's not necessarily, you know... The gravity of this being the President's Cup is still there, Jeremy, but just the way this sits on the calendar this year, it doesn't exactly lead you to believe that players are forming their entire winter schedules around the President's Cup. So I'm wondering exactly, guys like DeChambeau and Ricky, we haven't seen quite recently, and we're not really sure where they sit at this point. There definitely are more question marks on this U.S. President's Cup team than there have been in the last few. And again, just... For anyone who hasn't been following, it's, it's been very dominant with it with the U.S. and the President's Cup. I believe it's something along the lines of like 10 out of the last 11, and you can correct me, but it's been very dominant for Team U.S. So you're, you're wondering if there's going to be some wrinkles or, 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 you know, little blips on the radar for them but with a few guys that are questionable and maybe not in the greatest form. And, you know, a pick like Patrick Reed could go wildly one way or the other uh, for, for player captain Tiger Woods. Here's my thing, though. Bring up the international team if you have technology in front of you and, 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 and the same for those out there. Who do you trust on that team? Yeah, there's a lot of new names on that team, too. I mean, it, I'm very curious to see the couple young guys on the international team that I'm watching on the President's Cup, and you'll know these names because you've seen me play probably far too many frequent little wagers on them. <laughs> the guys that I like and follow a lot, that being... Uh, Cam Smith, the Australian, and playing in his home country. This is going to be very interesting to see how he's able to kind of take the torch with Jason Day not being there now. 
if he can kind of work with Leash and Adam Scott and the other Aussies to kind of rally the troops. Uh, I'll be very interested to see him. And then how Tong Lee could be kind of a wild card for that team. Abraham Answer, a very new name as well. You know, so again, as much as I say that there's questions on the U.S. side, there's definitely guys on the, on the, uh, the international team that are leaving a lot of question marks as we head into play. Uh, I'm looking for the Aussies to really hold down the fort and, and a guy like Louis Ustazen to deliver a, a really good performance if they're, the international team's giving themselves a chance next week at all. Which is why I was surprised Brandon Grace wasn't a captain's pick. Yeah, just saw him playing well in the Euro Tour last couple of weeks as well, too. Yeah. In terms of just recent form. And, and he and Ustazen, I believe, are the most, are the winningest all-time International Team Presidents Cup um, um, uh, pairing ever. Here's here's yeah. my question about the year uh, um, about the um, uh, I, I I almost said Europeans. Side, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. We're so used to saying Americans Europeans Ryder Cup. Sorry, the internationals. Yeah. Um, Sun J M. He's he took what three weeks off last week? I think. Sorry, three weeks off last season. I believe the stat that's was about the. That's about the equivalent of you or I going on a four month vacation in the middle of the calendar year for him. That guy's an Ironman. He's an Ironman and is playing almost every week this fall. Ben On, who's had good form, was just added when Jason Day withdrew. Does he suddenly feel pressure? And CT Pan. There's a bunch of these guys who got on this team because they won events. Mark Leishman's the same way. Got on these, got on this team because they won events way earlier in the year or way earlier in the cycle. CT Pan won his event, if I'm not mistaken. He won the RBC Heritage, right? So he won the week after the Masters. That's April. This is a long time since he showed form. So how does Sun JM, who's yet to have a win, play in a big spot? Ben On's been successful overseas, but he was a late ad. How does he fit in and does he feel too much pressure? And can CT Pan find form when he hasn't? been playing well lately those are three hugely talented people who i think could rise up and suddenly shock some folks and be like whoa this is because these guys are talented if you go down to 12 men they're 12 talented men the problem is they have not shown consistent form time and time and time again yeah there's a lot of question marks and i'm going to add just on top of the just the venue in general and where they're taking the president's cup this is not your average trip to a tournament, getting to Royal Melbourne, having been to Australia. It's quite the trek. Uh, there's a lot of logistics involved getting to the venue. And I, I just, it, this is, it's just gonna, it's a very kind of out of place uh, spot in the calendar for these players. And like you mentioned, guys that haven't shown up on the leaderboard in months and haven't won in close to a year, it's going to be interesting to see if they can rev the engine at the right moment uh, when, they're, when their names are called by the captains, Ellen Woods. Um, if you are Tiger, do you put somebody else on that plane? Do you put a 13th guy? Because I can't trust Dustin Johnson right now. I mean, think about it. It's 18 men. It's a shits and giggles week. He could shoot 473s and all Tiger would care about is good form. Literally. Why is he not playing hero? I'm very suspicious about Dustin. And if I was Tiger, I would have a 13th person on call. And for me, that person would be Kevin Na. 
Oh, yeah. We were, we've been chirping for Kevin Na, a guy that we previously loved to hate on back in the day. Yes. We were we were camp Kevin Na on the Force of Life podcast for the last several weeks trying to get him on the team, but it wasn't to me. The, hey, Jeremy, can we just, like, whip out a captain? Can Zach Johnson just, you know, suit him up at a moment's notice? Is there anything against that rule? I, I know. I, I believe that anybody could be named to that team. That I mean, literally, Roger Maltby could be named to that team. Yeah, that would be a treat for everyone, indeed. <laughs> I think probably Zach Johnson's maybe that 13th guy, if I had to guess. But you're, you're right, and just harping on the Dustin Johnson thing. The thing that sketches me about that, about him withdrawing from this tournament in the Bahamas right before the trip to Australia, is the timing of the announcement. You know, if he, if he kind of knew consciously that he wanted the extra week, he would have not even put himself in the field at the Hero. He would have made this announcement weeks ago and let everyone know, like, listen, I've tracked out my return. I'm going to be working out and playing three rounds a week, you know, right next to my my home. I'm going to be ready. I'll be on the plane. I look forward to it. The fact that, you know, he kind of had a thought of playing in the Hero and then all of a sudden decided to withdraw just days before, that kind of leads me to have even more doubts about his health because he doesn't really even have a good grip on knowing exactly how his recovery is going. So, it's a red flag, for sure. And remember, this is a Wednesday to Saturday event to help them get to Australia. I believe that announcement was Saturday, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So that's the equivalent, folks, for a Thursday to Sunday event of saying, on, on, on the previous Sunday, I'm out. Now, this was based off the August 26th World, World Golf Rankings. So these guys said yes months ago, but he could have very easily have withdrawn at the same time Brooks Kepka withdrew exactly. um, at, you know, from the President's Cup. Um, uh, Brooks was never entered in, in this event, but he could have you know, withdrew at some point leading in. The fact that it's a week before is, to me, a gigantic red flag in that. One of the things that I think is interesting about this President's Cup and by the way, you can see the President's Cup live in prime time yeah, every you, night. On you, golf. I, I, I wanted to lead you right into this, Jeremy. I was about to ask you, with all these, these red flags and question marks, the other one I had for you, yeah, go ahead and, and, and lead us through. But how am I going to watch this thing anyway? What, 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 what are the times you got on this thing? Uh, this is going to be beautiful for you. So, uh, day one. So this is going to be live in prime time on Golf Channel every night. Days uh, three and four will repeat on NBC during the day, but it's live in, on Golf Channel in prime time every night. Day one, which is um, best ball, is 4.30 to 11 p.m. Central, your time zone, 5.30 wow. to midnight Eastern. Day two, which is alternate shot, is 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central to midnight Eastern, 11 p.m. Central. Day three, which is two sessions, is 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Uh, this is uh, next Friday, remember. Uh, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central to 2 in the morning Eastern, 1 in the morning Central. And Sunday singles is Saturday night, December 14th. Also the date of my best friend's wedding. Best friend's wedding. 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Central, going to midnight Eastern, 11 p.m. Central. Pretty good primetime action there for, for a majority of the country, and that sets up really nice for, for the social crowds going out Friday and Saturday night, for sure. Um, going to be a nice combo, and it's, it's a very, very quiet 
uh, sports weekend from a football perspective. So there's a lot of opportunity for eyeballs, uh, especially when they're putting in prime time. So shout out to them. Nice work logistically. Yes. Well, and and, and also it's it's because of the time zone. Uh, this works out for I love, both. I love time zones. Yes. For, I can never for... get my finger around how time zones work, but I love them. All I know. <laughs> Well, the bottom line is between between Australia and here, um, there's enough of a gap where it works for the Aussies and it works for us, and we get to watch live golf in prime time. So, that's how you can watch it. For me, there's a huge amount of pressure here on Adam Hadwin and some of these vets, Louis Ustazen, Adam Hadwin, Adam Scott. Um, there's a lot of pressure on these guys who have been in big spots, who have gone for majors. They've got to step up. This is a really young international team. The U.S., yeah. meanwhile, has, even if they're not in shape, a whole bunch of major winners. You have the list in front of you. I don't even know what the total major count is for anybody who's on the international team. It's at least one because of Adam Scott's Masters. Uh, and I only see, I only see a few, and we can wipe one off the board with Jason Day. Yep, and that's Ustazen's 2010 win, obviously, at St. Andrews. The U, and the U.S. team has like 10,000 because of Tiger. So, yeah. <laughs> for my money, this is going to come down to fairways, greens, and understanding the golf course and relying on vets. And that, I think, is essential for this week, uh, for next week, sorry, is being able to do this and being able to rely on vets. Now, brings up an interesting question, though, for Tiger, which is, as a playing captain, a lot of pressure on you. He only has to uh, legally, per the rules, play two matches. I think he plays way more than that. But what's your thoughts on Tiger, what Tiger's going to do, and how this parlays into his production um, down there at Royal Melbourne? Well, I know little brother Justin Thomas is going to beg and plead for pairing with him. So well, guess, well, hold on, hold on. Hold on. The hero pairings are out. Tiger controls those pairings, and guess who Tiger's playing with on Thursday? Oh, I couldn't imagine. Yes, it is It is Justin Thomas at 11.35 a.m. Eastern. Of course, of course, of course. Little brother, big brother, I like to call them. So we're going to get one of those. Uh, I wonder, just kind of doing a scroll based on compatibility, I wonder if maybe he... Gives Tony Finau a nod, maybe goes out with him. Um, it, it's a possible pairing. Maybe a, maybe even a, a shot with Bryson, depending on how his form looks. I'm, I'm going to go three matches for Tiger. I, I'm going to say one each day. Uh, I don't know. I don't really know morning, afternoon, any of that. But I think four day event. Play. Remember, what, uh, Wednesday through Saturday Eastern. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I think probably three. I, I don't. I, I, I doubt he's in more than three matches. I think going to really embrace the role of being a playing captain. I don't think he's going to wear himself out on the course. He's going to put a lot of focus into how he can get the best pairings out there and the best matchups, and he's going to kind of let the dice fall from there. And, and, and he's going to take his time, obviously, on the course to lock in and get his points, but I think he's really going to, you're going to see by the end of the, the week, he's going to embrace the captain aspect even more than he is as a playing captain. He's Alex Lazan, host of the Course of Life podcast. I'm Jeremy Schilling, host of the Teeing It Up podcast. All right, so time to put on your um, picking cap for multiple things. I'm going to ask you multiple questions, and you've got to answer them. The winner of the President's Cup is, and for me, it's the U.S. in an absolute route. I hope it's not that, but I believe it's an absolute route. Now, I'm going to go U.S., 
but if there was some sort of spread on the score, I can't find that yet. If there's some sort of spread on the score, I would take the international team to cover that. So, you know, I don't know. It's usually, you know, what, something along the lines of like 1911 or 1812. I'm going to say maybe something more along the lines of like 1613 uh, for the U.S. squad. Uh, a slight na- narrow uh, margin of victory for the U.S. Justin Rose is my hero winner. Um, who is your hero winner? My hero winner is probably going to be Xander Shockley, uh, a guy that I'm very prone to picking and a guy that is going to be very kind of focused on these next couple weeks. It's a good way to solidify himself on the international competition stage. So I think that's one of those guys who is locked in for next week but won't just be kind of hitting it around and giggling. I think he's going to be looking to go for a W this week, so I'll take Shockley. The winner this year, 2019 PGA Tour, and this is not to be negative, it's hard to win on the PGA Tour. Charles Howell III is the perfect example of this. The winner this year on the PGA Tour who will go the longest before their next win. Oh, man. And, And I'm putting you on the spot on purpose because this is a really, this is like one of those memory test things, but it's, it's it's an interesting question because we could go one-hit wonders, but that's insulting, and that's not what Teeing It Up does. I want to know who wins again, but takes the longest to get there. You know, just going off of recency, uh, I'll go ahead and throw Brendan Todd out there as a pick. Uh, this is a guy who's a pro forever, and he just quite literally hit, hit, got struck by lightning twice with amazing performances and it's amazing to see the resiliency that that guy's had. He's just kind of always been known as a name in the world of golf, and no one could ever really put a face to him until about three or four weeks ago, and he really shot himself onto the scene in, in an impressive fashion. So I'll, I'll go Todd for that question. Phil, because I have no confidence in Phil, even though he claims he's on a 10-week off-season plan that will totally revitalize his game. Another one. What is this? Another cleanse or what? I I don't know. He did not specify. I'll I'll, I'll get the follow up on that. Hopefully he's not doing that coffee drink again because that that failed miserably. I have no idea. So that's number one, <laughs> and my second is Corey Connors. Talk to Adam Stanley, who's 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 a Canadian uh, um, expert for uh, PGATour.com. This is a guy with a world of talent. Sometimes when you come from these countries that are that are golfing hotbeds. And but you're the representative of that country. Sometimes you can have a pro, uh, you can have trouble following up your win. I think that's Corey Connors this year. Nothing against him. I just think it takes him a while to get his sea legs. Contrary to that, I think Joaquin Neiman breaks through and starts winning a bunch. So that's my bonus breakthrough player. Yeah, we've been we've been dying for the Chilean uh, Mr. Avocado, as I like to call him. He's big. He's a big avocado guy and. Uh... Hopefully, uh, his diet matches his play in 2020. That's the guy that everyone should watch out for. Watch him at Augusta. Him and Cam Champ at Augusta are going to be awesome. Yeah, that will be fun. A lot, lot of new names out there, Jeremy. They have a they, they, they have a swashbuckling. Swash, is it swashbuckling? Yeah, it is. And I, I like the way you pronounce it with the sh at the beginning, too. It's swashbuckling. <laughs> It was me trying to think in the, in the moment if I had the right pronunciation or not. Um, yeah, you got there. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, I think those two guys and the aggressive style that they play with could be 
fascinating to watch around Augusta National. He's Alex Lazan. I'm Jeremy Schilling. Uh, Alex, thank you, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. Thanks. And thank you all for listening to Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling.